Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. He's doing great things, and we're going to celebrate that together in this place. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Done great. 
That's right. He deserves it. Well, go ahead and take your seats. Look around you. There's so much work to do. This world is in no condition for us to simply sit back and watch. There is a tangible desperate need for Jesus. A glimpse of hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus experienced this. He saw it firsthand. The need broke his heart and filled him with compassion. He turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. This alone should stir our hearts. It's a calling, a calling to make a difference, to share the truth of the gospel, to be a light in the darkness, to be the church. It's time for us to look beyond ourselves, to turn our focus to the field, to answer the call and passionately share the love of Jesus. This is our mandate. This is our mission. Are you ready to do the work? Well, thank you so much for being here this morning at Peckway Church. It's always great to worship together with you guys. As we are continuing our sermon series, uh, we are looking at our second message today, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a Christian. When we're called uh, by God for a purpose, he gives us that reason. And so, you know, many times it's easy for us to just kind of sit back once we're saved. We think, well, I'm saved. Everything's good. Uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep my head down, do what I need to do, and keep looking at God and watching what he's doing. But God calls us to more than that, and we're going to talk about that today in this sermon. And so have your notes ready um, as we look into that, because there's a deeper, uh, deeper calling that God is calling us to as Christians. Uh, it's just not to sit and soak. That's sort of that cliche, but God is calling us to do something. There's people in this world that need to hear the message of the gospel, and we are called to be that. We are called to tell others. We're called to be, uh, you'll hear this today, a saint and a soldier, and that's what we're going to look at uh, today as we start on the second message for today. Look inside your bulletin. Uh, you're going to find a gray card there. Online, you're going to have a connect link, and uh, if you would, click on that link, follow the prompts, but this is simply a great way for us to be able to connect together 
If you have questions about Peckway Church on the back of that card, you can check those boxes. Maybe you're going to check that box today about your faith. Maybe you're pursuing Jesus today, and this is you're here, you're kind of kicking the tires, seeing what's this faith thing about. Well, I'm glad you're here, and we've been praying for you, and we're excited to see what God is going to do in your heart and your life today. Maybe you want to serve. You can do that with this card. You can check those boxes as well online and in person. And if this is your very first time with us today, thank you so much for being here Welcome from me and our church. Uh, you can simply text the word by taking out your mobile phone. Text the word hello to 717-872-5679. Again, it's hello and it's 717-872-5679. Follow the prompts that will come to your phone. And again, just a very quick and easy way to connect. And actually, we can text back and forth with that. So uh, that's one reason that you might want to do it that way. But we are, again, so glad that you're here we hope that you're, uh, you, you've met some people as you came in, you've seen where bathrooms are, you've grabbed a cup of coffee, and been able to uh, fellowship with one another. So uh, let's continue our worship, though. I'm going to invite you to stand again. You know, we have joy when we know Jesus. Even though things might be tough sometimes, we can still have joy in the midst of those things because of who Jesus is. Let's sing about it. joy in the struggle I've got peace in the storm I've got strength in the battle I don't fear anymore I'm a child of heaven and my hope is secure I've got joy cause I've got Jesus gave me beauty for ashes turned my life around broke my chains and now I on solid ground for all he's done to save me I will raise my voice I've got Jesus so I've got joy he bore all of my burdens yeah my debt has been paid and he said to my dry bones rise above that grave Chains and now I dance on solid ground for 
peace that passes all understanding. He is here today, and he wants to speak that into your life. Would you trust him as we sing this next song, that we can speak Jesus over those things that try to come against us, because we are more than conquerors through Jesus. Shout Jesus. 
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Come on, let's sing it one more time. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name today, whether you're in this place, you're watching online, whether it's later this week, if you listen to this message again, or it's the first time that someone will hear it. He's speaking peace over the storms in our lives. And so as we continue to worship him, would you just let him do that today? As a Christian, we have that. We can speak his name. We can look to him because he's leading and guiding. I'm not gonna be afraid, cause 
as these waves are rolling waves. I'm not gonna be afraid. I'm not gonna be afraid. And I'm not gonna fear the storm. You are greater than its roar. I'm not gonna fear the storm. I'm not gonna fear at all. Peace, be still. Say the word and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in the deep. Peace, be still. You are here, so it is well. Even when my eyes can't see, I will trust the voice that speaks. assurance and the confidence that when we know you, God, that you are working all things out for the good of those who are called according to your purpose. God, you have called us today to be your chosen people, a holy people. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for that high calling today. Lord, I pray for those whose hearts, maybe your burden today, who are seeking 
that peace. And Father, if they're seeking it through other things, Lord, would you show them that today that you give a peace that is unlike that of the world. Father, may our hearts and minds be transformed as we look intently into your word today, Father, as we see what it means to truly be called by you, to be, uh, Lord, a Christian. And Lord, what that means and the fact that you have called us to something beyond ourselves, beyond trying to live this life that looks either perfect or, uh, Lord, that looks um, maybe, I don't know, totally different than what we could have imagined or expected. But Jesus, we, we know that your presence is here with us. And so today, would you change lives? And we pray that you would have your will in your way in this place, Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you settle in, I just want to say to Pastor Scott and the worship team, thank you for that incredible reminder uh, of the hope that we have. I mean, I just, my mind is still going over those words that, you know, even when our eyes can't see, we can trust the voice that speaks. And that voice is the voice that spoke this universe into existence. It's that voice that spoke you and I into existence. It, it's that voice that I don't know about you, but you know, it's probably a bad habit. But early in the day, usually I try to scroll through my iPad you know, news headlines. And I don't know if you're about like me. It seems like every time I thought it couldn't get any worse, it seems to be getting to worse, whether it's rumors of wars, recessions, whatever it is. But the reality is I share that, folks, because that's why that song speaks to me this morning because the voice who says there can be peace that i'm in control that i set rulers and authorities in place and i remove those same rulers and authorities that i am in control and i hope you have that reassurance today and if you're here for the very first time trying to figure that all out i say welcome whether here in the room or online welcome because today we're continuing a series that we kicked off last week that i'm calling a life well lived and really the goal of the series is simply this, to help you and I find and realize that we can discover and follow and fulfill God's purpose and plan for our life. And so we kicked it off last week, really kind of at the top of the funnel, looking at four incredible truths, four amazing truths that we get about ourselves from the creation narrative. And let me just review them real quick for you. I don't expect you to remember them, but we began by just looking at the amazing truth that we are created. In other words, we're not here by accident. We're not a mistake. We're not a, a result of random chance. We are here by the design of God. But we didn't stop there. We said even as amazing as that is, we went on to the second truth, which says we are created by God in the image of God. And that fact gives you and I incredible worth and value. Not only that, it, it tells us something unique. That is, among all of creation, you and I have the ability to be in relationship with God. The third thing we looked at is, is the uniqueness of our creation, that we're created male and female. And really in that, we talked about that diversity, that, that God created us to be unique, incredibly unique. And we don't see that diversity in its totality simply in the fact that we're male and female. We talked about the fact that where we see the ultimate expression of that diversity, that uniqueness that God created us with, is that things as simple and surprising as our fingerprints and the, and the retinas of our eyes. 
You remember we talked about the fact that our tongue prints and our toe prints are unique. We talked about the fact that no one else has ever lived, ever will live, who has the same intonation and vocal uh, abilities that we do. And then finally, out of all that, we came around and we said the final thing that ultimately that all reveals to us is the amazing truth that we were created for purpose. We were created for a destiny. That God didn't do that unique creation in you and me to just kind of muddle along. He has a purpose and a plan for us. That's where we started. And today we want to take another step on that journey by looking at our life calling. Our life calling. Pastor Scott referred to it. So let me be clear when I say that. Many of you have been around the church long enough. As soon as you hear a pastor say, I'm going to talk to you about your life calling, our minds go to our vocation. You know, whether we should be a butcher or a baker or a candlestick maker. You know, whether we should, you know, work in, in, on a farm or as a computer networker or in banking or whatever it is. But I don't want to go there today. We'll go there in this series, but not today. I want to today focus on a far more foundational and deeper calling on your life and mine. You need to understand as we talk about this that this calling is on all of our lives. Even people who are not professing Jesus, who would even claim to be a follower of Jesus. This calling is on all of our lives, at least the first part of the calling. And I want to dig into it today because the very first thing we need to see about this calling is it has two dimensions. And here's the first dimension. Let's just launch into it. The very first dimension of this calling that we have on our life is we are called to be saints. We are called to be saints. And this dimension works itself out in two ways. Let me just tease them out for you. The first dimension, the way this works itself out in your life and mine, is we're called to be a saint. We're called to become a saint. The second way this, that calling works out in our life is we are called to grow as a saint, to mature as a saint. And let me just unpack that for you this morning. You see, what you need to understand, and hopefully you do already understand, is that as soon as we invite Jesus into our life, when we come to him in faith, and we ask him to forgive our sins, to come in our life, to be our leader and forgiver in life, in that moment, God declares us to be a saint. That's what he calls us. Which is why the early Christians often referred to each other, uh, not just as brothers and sisters, but they often referred to each other as saints. Let me give you one example, I think, from the New Testament that illustrates this, and then your mind will go to many others. But Paul, in writing to, to the Christians in Ephesus, begins his letter to them this way. Let me read it for you. It's there in your outline. Paul writes this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, that's his identity, that's his calling, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. Now think about that for a second. Paul didn't start by saying to the believers in Ephesus. He didn't begin by saying to the Christians in Ephesus. He didn't even say to the church in Ephesus. He said to the saints in Ephesus. Now I want to stop there because I know maybe if this is the very first time you're hearing this, you're new to this whole Christian journey, or maybe you've been here and following Jesus for a long time, to most of us, that sounds strange to our ears. It seems unusual. And the reason why is because most of us, when we hear the word saint, our mind immediately goes to what? We go to the super holy people, right? These exceptional, seemingly almost perfect people who have given their lives in complete and total service to God. And when we hear that, our mind then goes, how in the world could Paul call an entire congregation or even an entire small group in a congregation, saints. Still others of us, when we hear that expression, the saints in Ephesus, we grew up in a tradition where we were told by the church that we should, there are, there are saints who we need to venerate, even pray to. 
And certainly none of us, if that's our understanding of a saint, none of us would ever put ourselves in that group. In fact, none of us, if we have that definition of a saint, would ever imagine an entire congregation of people made up with people like that, right? We, we just go, I couldn't imagine that. So here's the reason I raise all that. What did Paul mean? What did he have in mind when he called these believers in Ephesus saints? More specifically, these saints. Now, I won't give you the Greek, but let me just give you the literal, what it literally means in Greek when he says the saints. It literally means the holy ones or the set-apart ones. In other words, Paul is talking about men and women who have been set free from the bondage and captivity and consequences of sin. So really, when we think about it, Paul, when he says the saints in Ephesus, he is talking about a group of men and women whose spiritual status whose spiritual condition had been radically altered, had completely changed, because they, had, they were men and women who Paul is saying, in essence, are men and women who at one point were completely under the penalty and the weight and the consequences of their sins, and now they're men and women who have been completely set free from the weight, the consequences, and the penalty of their sins. And so when Paul refers to the saints, what he's saying is God has declared this group of men and women holy. He has declared this group of men and women set apart for his purposes and for his plans. Now I share that for this reason, because we need to understand if that's the definition of a saint, if that's the definition of being a Christian, then we need to understand becoming a Christian involves far more than what many, many in America believe, and even people in churches today. It involves far more than simply going to church. It involves far more than accepting a set of beliefs or values. It involves far more than you and I simply saying, you know what, we're going to avoid these things or we're going to do these things. It really means far more than I heard someone say it this way. You know, many people believe being a Christian is just being nicer men and women with better values. According to Paul, being a Christian, being a saint, means, means much more than that. For what it literally means, Paul is saying, is it's men and women who have had their sins forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And as a result of that, they are letting him lead their lives. That's what Paul meant when he said, the saints. Now let me just follow up with that. If that is true, then folks, it explains why baptism is such a significant and necessary and essential first step once we become a believer, once we become a saint, because it visually represents the fact of what Jesus did for us and the radical transformation, the change that has happened to our spiritual condition, to our spiritual state. For, for, see it this way, folks, when we go under the water in baptism, that is representing us dying to sin, dying to self. And when we come up out of the water, it's representing, visually representing us coming into new life in Jesus. Folks, that is why when Jesus said and did say that everyone who professes faith in him must be baptized. Because what Jesus was wanting us to understand is that by being baptized, folks, we are literally testifying to the radical change that has taken place in our life. The radical change that has taken place in our spiritual condition, that we have moved from being under the bondage and the weight of our sins to being set free from the bondage and the weight of our sins. And so Jesus is saying he calls us to be baptized because he's saying what you are symbolizing in your baptism is the fact that you're a saint. So that's the first part of this, folks. But what we need to understand is as important as that is, as vital as that is, about you and I being called 
and, and declared a saint by God, God doesn't want to stop there. He doesn't want to just simply declare us to be a saint. He also wants us to grow and develop as saints. In other words, he wants us to mature. We're to become more and more like Jesus. That's why Paul said this. Take a look there in your outline. To the Ephesians, that same group of believers, he said, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you had received. I want to encourage you. Would you please underline that phrase, a life worthy of the calling you have received? And here's the reason I want you to underline it. Folks, when Paul said that, he wasn't just sitting an idealistic goal, an unachievable target that no one could reach. He was calling us to do something doable. He was calling us to achieve something that we could actually actualize in our life. And the reason Paul wrote that, the reason he said that, was because he understood and tells the Ephesians, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, that when we become a saint, when we invite Jesus into our life, God puts the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit comes in our life to empower us and to help us not only know the will of God, but to fulfill the will and purposes of God. That's why Paul wrote to another group of Christians, another group of saints in the city of Philippi, these words. Take a look at it. It's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. Paul says this, God is the one who enables us both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. Would you underline that phrase, to actually live out? Again, Folks, this idea of living a life worthy of our calling is more than an ideal goal that's impossible to fulfill. It is a reality that God wants us, in fact, to experience. Let me illustrate it like this. Think about Michael Jordan. Most of you recognize, some of you recognize, that not only was he one of the greatest basketball players who ever lived, but he now currently is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Now, just imagine, you know, again, just play along with this, but just imagine somehow you run into Michael Jordan. Michael comes up and he said, you know what? I'm going to make you a member of the Charlotte Hornets basketball team. And he sees a look on your face. Don't worry, don't worry. Me making you a member of the team is absolutely not dependent on your ability to play basketball. Now, after he sees a sigh, a sigh of relief, he says this. Now, having said that, I want to say this to you. I'm going to ask you, to let me help you develop into the person that I've already declared you to be. He's saying, I'm going to make you a member of the team simply by grace, simply by my undeserved merit and favor in your life. I'm going to make you a member of the team. But now that you're a member of the team, I want to help you develop as a player. Now, if you have that scenario, here's my next question for you. How do you think Michael's going to go about doing that in your life? You think he's just going to look at you and look at me and and just say, you know what, guys, now here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow morning, I want you to get dressed, and then I want you to come out on the court with the rest of the team and just try really, really hard. I mean, just believe in yourself. You think that's how he's going to go about it? No, he's not going to go about it that way, and you know why, and I know why. Because Michael Jordan understands what we understand. The professional level performance is not accomplished and not achieved by trying. It's achieved by training, by you and I being developed. Now, you've already made the mental leap with me, folks. Here's what I want to say to you. In light of that, the same thing is true in your spiritual life and mine. We don't mature, we don't grow, we don't develop as a saint by simply trying harder or hoping that we would be more like Jesus. No, we are to train. And that's why Paul said this to another group of uh, saints, the Corinthian saints, when he wrote this, do, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. There it is. They do it. Do what? They do go into strict training to get a crown that will not last. But we do it again. Do what? Go into strict training to get a crown that will last forever. Here's my point, folks. God declares us, when we invite Jesus into our lives, God declares us a saint. But then after doing that, he looks to us, he turns to us and says, now grow as a saint, mature as a saint, develop as a saint. And the reason he says that to us and makes that possible through the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is because God's goal in your life and mine is more than we just simply get to heaven. God's goal in your life and mine is that we enjoy a relationship with Him, and we enjoy that relationship with Him as we grow more and more and more into the character and the likeness of Jesus. His goal is for our character and our conduct to increasingly reflect the life of Jesus, that we are more like Him today than we were a year ago today. Does that make sense? That's God's goal. That's why He says grow. That's why He says, I don't want to just simply declare you as a saint. I want you to develop as a saint. So let me just ask you the question. Ask all of us the question. Have we answered that call? Have we asked God in faith to make us a saint? Have we asked Jesus to come into our lives and forgive our sins and to fill us with His Holy Spirit? And if you say, yes, I've done that, Jerry, then let me ask you the next question. Have you testified to that sainthood by being baptized? Not as an infant, but as a believer. Have you testified, have you witnessed to that change of your spiritual state, your spiritual condition? If you say yes to that, then let me ask you this next question. Is your life being ever increasingly transformed into the life of Jesus, in the likeness of Jesus? In other words, is your parenting, is your marriage, is your conversation and conduct more reflective of the character and conduct of Jesus today than it was a year ago? I'm not saying perfect. I'm saying, can you see it increasing? Can you see it being transformed, as Paul said, in ever-increasing measure into the likeness of Jesus? Are you training, in other words, to be a saint, or are you just hoping real hard? Are we training, or are we simply trying to be like Jesus? Folks, the first thing we need to understand about the calling in our life is God calls us to be a saint. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that keeps me awake at night. Here's the thing that breaks my heart is the folks that while it's God's call for us to be a saint, it's our call whether we answer it or not. He's not going to force us. He won't compel us. He will, he will call us. He will reach out to us. But God will not compel us to answer the call. But that's not all. There's a second part I told you, a second dimension of that ultimate foundational calling on your life and mine, and that is after we accept the call to be a saint, God goes on and He calls us to be a soldier. He calls us to be a soldier. During the Vietnam War, Fred Franks lost his leg to a grenade. Some of you recognize the name of Fred Franks. But he spent months in, in recuperation and physical therapy, and ultimately he got to the day where he was well enough to make a decision, and he made the decision to remain in the Army. And ultimately, because of that decision, he rose to the rank of Lieutenant General Commander. 
And the reason most of us recognize his name is because then he was appointed as the commander of the Seventh Army. And the Seventh Army, for some of us who are old enough, and I think most of us are in this room to remember Desert Storm, was the, the group that broke the back of Iraq's Republican Guard. In an amazing way, in a profound way, I think only 100 American lives were lost in the battle. And for that reason, many military leaders and historians call that the greatest victory that American army had ever won since World War II. And still to this day, many of the war college still talk about this being the greatest victory, military victory, since World War II. Now, I share that for this reason. I think by that definition, as some of you are familiar with military history, and I think by anyone's standard, anyone's definition, Fred Franks was a soldier. And yet most of us aren't, right? The vast majority of us here today have never been in that capacity. But here's the thing. God calls us to be. God calls us as saints to not only be soldiers, but to serve on the front line in his spiritual war. I want you to take a look at what Paul said about all this. He wrote this, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Now, I think even if you've just read that and saw that for the very first time, many of you read it many, many times like I have, but even if you've just encountered it that first time, I think it's clear that Paul is saying in that passage that there is a very real and high-stakes war raging between God and His angels and His saints, you and I, and the devil and His angels and His demons. In fact, I want to read to you how Eugene Peterson describes this in his paraphrase, The Message. He says this, This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life-or-death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Now, I know, folks, I mean, I've lived long enough to know and I've watched the trend, but I know today, outside the church and even inside the church, there are more and more people who simply say, I do not believe in the devil. I do not believe in Satan. But here's what I want to say to you. Jesus believed in the devil. Jesus believed in Satan. He did not think the devil was some figment of our imagination. He did not think he, he was some invention of our minds to somehow account for the existence and prevalence of evil. No, he believed Satan was a very real spiritual being. And I share that because Jesus also made it very clear that he wants you and I as his saints to take the devil every bit as seriously as he did. And yet I need to say this, yet battling the devil, battling Satan and his demons as soldiers for God, often messes with us in the church. Because when we think about being soldiers for God, many of us think about, and we've sung about it, and it's appropriate and it's right, but many of us, when we think about being soldiers of God, we think about things like this. We think about forgiving someone who's hurt us. We think about overcoming difficulties and obstacles in a way that we don't become discouraged or, or somehow hinder our witness. We think about giving our tithe or perhaps giving even above uh, beyond our tithe. We think about, if we really think about being a soldier of God, we might even think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to serve with the junior high students. <laughs> I'm going to serve in children's ministry. Go, you know, that's how I know I'm a soldier for God. But folks, listen to me. Being a soldier for God goes way, way beyond that. 
It's much deeper than that because what Paul is telling us, folks, there is a very real, there's a very serious battle being fought for people's souls. That's what Scott tried to help us understand in the opening video. And as saints, God calls us into active service to fight on the front lines of this war. That's why Paul said this to the Ephesian saints, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckle around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Here's the phrase again, for all the saints. Folks, Paul makes it, at least for me, inescapably clear in that passage that as saints, we are called to become soldiers. We are in, to engage in heavenly warfare. And we need to understand, folks, when we talk about that, we need to understand as saints that as soldiers, the fighting will be hand-to-hand -hand combat sometimes because what we're fighting is a trench war. And what I mean by that is simply this. We need to understand in this hand-to-hand -hand combat, in this trench warfare, folks, we will get battered. We will get bruised. Sometimes we will get bloodied as we fight deceit and division. As we fight complacency and compromise, injustice and inequality, sexism and racism, poverty and hunger, human trafficking and slavery, oppression and war. Folks, we will, in those fights, get battered and bruised and sometimes even bloodied. But we need to understand that warfare goes deeper than that. The fighting goes much, much deeper than that. Because as soldiers for Christ, we are called to launch a full-scale frontal assault on the devil and his demons to rescue anyone and everyone held captive by sin and its consequences. We are called to take the battle to him. That's why Paul wrote this. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to God, we work hard to persuade others. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Now notice this. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Folks, let those words said sink in. God is making His appeal through us. We are His representatives. We are His ambassadors. Now once again, as many, many people outside and even inside the church today increasingly don't believe in the devil and his demons, there are many people as well who don't believe in hell or the fact that people without a relationship with Jesus go there. But again, I've got to tell you, Jesus did. And that's why 
while hanging on the cross, dying in agony, he still communicated and still reached out to the man next to him on the cross. Because Jesus knew the call was urgent. And he knew the war is real. And folks, if you and I will let Jesus' attitudes and actions guide our attitudes and actions when it comes to helping and personally being involved, helping other people avoid hell and come into relationship with Jesus, I tell you, our attitudes and actions will be radically different. Let me illustrate it this way. True story. Back in 1854, a man, a criminal by the name of Charlie Peace was hung in London. And, and on the way to the gallows, there was a tradition, there was a ceremony conducted, and the ceremony basically entailed the a Anglican priest following the condemned man, and as he followed him, he would read from the Book of Common Prayer. And one of the things he read from the Book of Common Prayer were these words. He said, those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release with death itself can bring. And hearing those words, Charlie Peace wheeled around, looked the priest in the face, and yelled, Do you believe that? And taken back, the priest stammered and stuttered for a while, and he said, Yeah, I guess I do. And then Charlie Peace said this, he said, Well, I don't. But if I did, I would get down on my hands and knees and crawl across Great Britain, even if it was paved with broken glass, if I could save just one person from the, the experience and the consequences that you just described. Now, folks, if we're a saint, if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, then ensuring others avoid that and that experience of hell, that separation from Jesus, should dictate our actions and our priorities. Even a man like Charlie Peace, a man who said, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in any of it. Even a man like Charlie Peace understood what was at stake. The question I ask you is, do we? Do we, as followers of Jesus, as saints, understand what's at stake? Now, I know some of you thinking, Jerry, you know, you're just pushing buttons and you just grab one story to prove a point. So can I give you some statistics of why I share that story? Just last year, an article came out from LifeWay Research, which most of you recognize LifeWay. It's probably one of the most credible Christian resource firms out there. In an article came out last year, September 9th, almost a year ago now, that was titled this, Christians Don't Share Jesus with Their Unchurched Friends. And in that research, they discovered that in those unchristian people they spoke with, 29%, 29%, only 29%, said anyone, any of their Christian friends, and many of them cited as many as 20 Christian friends in their life. They said only 29% of people said one of my Christian friends ever, ever told me about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That same group of people said only 33% of those Christian friends that I have ever told me about the benefit 
of going and being a part of a church. And only 33% said that my friends, my Christian friends, of which they said I have many, ever told me about the benefits of being a Christian. Folks, the reality is what that bothers me most about, that means for that group that says only 29% said only 70% of their friends never told them about Jesus. 71% of their evangelical Christian friends never once told them about Jesus. So I ask you again, folks, do we understand what's at stake? Are we following the trap of that evangelical priest that we read about it, we talk about it, we have studies about it, but we never do anything about it? Do we understand what's at stake? Paul told the Romans this, the Roman saints, he said, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? What we need to understand is that Jesus' plan for people to know him and to ultimately avoid th that, that pain of forever dying without the release of death itself is for his saints to accept the call to be soldiers. There is no other plan B. Jesus didn't say, well, if that doesn't work, I'll raise up a whole you know, multitude of Billy Grahams. No, Jesus' plan for people to hearing about him and coming to faith in him and ultimately avoiding the separation that for all eternity is for you and I to accept the call to be soldiers. And folks, what I want to say to you this morning is answering that call is not nearly as difficult as we often make it out to be. It really isn't. Let me, in fact, just illustrate for you how we could play this out. And this is, this is that low level. This is just recognizing, you know, telling them about the benefits of being a part of a church and come to church. And folks, here's, here's how I want to play it out for you, how this could work tomorrow morning. You go to church, or rather you go to work, and someone says to you, so how was your weekend? Ever had that happen? All we need to say is, it was great. Friday, the family and I went out to eat and we took, we took in a movie. Saturday, we did a little lawn work and then the kids had a soccer game and we, we watched. And Sunday, we went to church. The music was great and the kids had a, a, a wonderful time. Now, if you say that, you know the next thing that'll probably happen, most of us know the next thing that happens. They say, I haven't been to church in years. Where do you go? And all we need to do is say, I go to Peckway Church. In fact, why don't you come next week? Or, you know, I, I think you really enjoy it. But, but if, if you'd prefer, you could even check it out online first before you come. You could just, to, you know, just go to peckwaychurch.com. It's an easy website to find. And, and I really believe you'll like what you see. You'll like what you hear. Folks, that's all it takes. Nothing forced, nothing awkward, no confrontations, just an invitation. Here's my question to you. Can't we all fight that fight? I'm so glad someone fought that for me. Fred Frank said, from the moment I put on my fatigues, and I stood in line with the other classmates at West Point, I knew I wanted to be a soldier. 
Well, when he said that, the interviewer said, well, why you say that? What made you think that? And here's what he said. I just want to read to you. He said, if you like what our country stands for and are willing to fight to protect those ideals, you ought to be a soldier. If the sound of the national anthem and the sight of our flag stirs something inside you, you ought to be a soldier. If you want to be around a lot of other people who feel the same way about all that that you do, you ought to be a soldier. If you like a challenge, aren't afraid of hard work, and think you're tough enough to meet the standards on the battlefield, you ought to be a soldier. If the thought that the end of your life you can say or have said about you, you served your country and you need no other reward than that, you ought to be a soldier. So can I ask you, saints, so should you be a soldier for Jesus? If you're unsure, let, let me ask you to consider this. If you believe in Jesus and you're willing to fight to advance his mission, you ought to be a soldier. If stories of changed lives and the sight of someone coming up out of the waters of baptism stir something within you, you ought to be a soldier. If you want to be around other people who feel the same way you do about all that and you want to take hills for Jesus, you ought to be a soldier. If you like a challenge, aren't afraid of hard work and think you're tough enough to meet the demands of a cosmic battlefield, you ought to be a soldier. If the thought at the end of your life that you can say or have others say about you, you serve God's purposes and you need no other reward than that, you ought to be a soldier. Church, we ought to be a soldier. And what I want to do this morning is different than how we typically end because I'm not going to lead us in prayer or pray for us, but what I want to do is lead us in a time of each and every one of us have the opportunity to process that foundational call in our life and to talk to God about it. So let's bow our heads. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we think about this call upon our life to be a saint and a soldier, some of us may want to pray, Jesus, I need you as my forgiver and leader. I need to be a saint. I want to be a saint. Or perhaps you need to say, Jesus, I am a saint, but I need to now show it by being baptized. The reality is, and, and I don't say this in any ugly way, but the reality is in all of us experience, for some of us today, we, we need to simply admit to ourselves that our sainthood has been a neutral. And so we might need to pray and talk to Jesus right now and just say, Jesus, help me start training instead of trying or hoping to be a saint. I really do want to be more like you today than I was tomorrow or yesterday. Jesus, I don't want to look back on this year, let alone my life, and realize my sainthood has been stuck in neutral. Still others may want to pray.
Jesus, I've not been in the fight. I'm saved. I'm a saint. But I'm like those people cited in the survey. I can't think of one other person who would point at me today and say, I'll be in heaven because of you. Because you walk me through what it means to have Jesus in my life. But today you want to say, Jesus, I've heard your call. I want to get in the fight. I want to become a soldier. And so I'm answering the call today, Jesus. Folks, I don't presume to know what you need to say to Jesus. I don't know what you need to change. I don't know what you need to declare. I don't know what you even maybe need to ask forgiveness for. What I do know is that we're giving you this time to talk to him about it. And so as God plays, I want to encourage you over the next couple of minutes, he'll just play for a minute or two. Just use this time to process God's call in your life to be a saint and a soldier. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that you gave for us. Father, that we could come and be called your children. Lord, that you made a way for us. And so, Father, we come together in this place today celebrating you, celebrating what you did, Father, but also Um, Lord, considering what you're calling us to. And so, Father, this morning as you stir hearts, as you're moving in this place right now, as people are making decisions, Lord, decisions to follow you, decisions to recommit to you, decisions to, um, Lord, start being a soldier and asking friends and family and neighbors, uh, Lord, inviting them to know you. God, would you encourage hearts as they do that? Would you strengthen hearts as they do that today? We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So just for a moment, I just want to give you that opportunity to respond today to what, uh, what we've heard about being a saint 
and a soldier. Maybe this was your first time to make that decision. You can, uh, on the back of that gray card, you can indicate that online. We can also do that through that connect card again. Uh, but would you, would you let us know? Maybe you want more information about that. Maybe you haven't quite nailed that down yet. We would love to talk to you um, and help you find those answers in God's Word and help you to see um, how you can become a child of God. Maybe you've been a saint for many years, but you haven't taken that step of boldness to encourage people. In your bulletin this morning is an invest and invite card. Take that card home with you. You don't have to write names today. Pray about it. Who is it that God is laying on your heart to start telling them about who Jesus is? Jerry walked through a very easy way to be able to start talking to people about a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to go cold turkey. Um, you, can, you can simply just start that conversation very easily. Um, but you can, you know, let us know if you want help with that as well. Indicate that on that card this morning. But take that card home. Pray about it. Put it on your refrigerator. And then as God brings names to, your, to you this week, write them on that card and begin praying for them. You just can follow the things that are on that card this morning. One last thing is baptism. If you haven't taken that step, that next step of obedience, just as you've, if you are a saint of God, but you maybe were baptized as an infant, but since then you've become a believer, knowing what it truly means to follow Christ, um, then I encourage you to, to write that on the card this morning. We're going to be planning a baptism service in the uh, next com- coming months, and uh, I would love for you to be a part of that. So indicate that on the card. We'll reach out to you and contact you, and we can talk about that. But I want to encourage you to do that today, to trust Jesus, take that step of faith, and proclaim the good news that he's done in your heart. We sang about great things this morning. That is a great thing that God does in our hearts and lives. So let's celebrate that together. So write those on the card. You can drop those in the box on your way out this morning along with your offering online. You can indicate those as well with the connect link and the give link. I appreciate your attention for letting me go a little bit longer this morning. I've enjoyed worshiping with you. I invite you back next week as we continue the series and worship again together. Thank you so much. Have a great day.